Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. I am Pierce Dietrich. You can follow me on Twitter at Race for the Prize. You can also hop on over to RaceForThePrize.com, my website, and you can find out more information about accessing the spreadsheet that you are going to see today and every day. That's at RaceForThePrize.com. The information is there. Simply PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App me at 30 bucks a month of February, and you will get access. Today, we're going to talk about the L.A. Lie. Admittedly, this is a little bit of a clickbait title, but hey, it's the internet, it's YouTube, you kind of have to do those things. So yeah, that's some pretty strong, harsh words when we talk about the LA Clash and some of the analysis that you're going to get. Um, Let me be as charitable as possible to people. I don't think they are lying to you. I don't think anyone is intentionally going to try to deceive you with their LA Clash analysis coming up. I'll even go as far to say that they're not even really being lazy. Um, I myself probably suggested this L.A. lie in previous podcasts, but since then I have done my homework, dug down into the research. You can see some of the columns that I've added in the L.A. Clash spreadsheet that you can get at RaceForThePrize.com, and I have changed my mind a little bit. If you've been listening to the podcast over the last decade, 600 and whatever episodes, you know that I changed my mind when the data tells me to change my mind. And the only way that you can ever really change your mind is doing your homework, digging into the data. You got to have the data, come get the data. And as I have went through the numbers and rewatched the race, I have a different outlook, a different perspective on what to expect from the LA Coliseum racetrack. Again, I don't think anyone necessarily is being lazy. They just haven't looked at things differently. And you know that I always look at things differently. I have that voice in my head that's constantly saying, yeah, but what if you're wrong? And that's kind of a generous way of describing that voice. That voice is more like, you're wrong, you idiot. You're wrong, you're wrong. Everything you do is wrong. It's uh, not the best uh, self-talk that I've got going. But the benefit of that is by questioning myself and all those around me, uh, I think I get closer to the truth rather than if I just don't think about things and be happy. So from the miserable grump, here we go. What is the LA lie? It's the suggestion, it's the belief, it is the narrative that the LA Coliseum is a wreck fest and it's a terrible DFS event and you shouldn't play it because it's just chaos and it's crazy and there's a bunch of wrecks. That simply isn't the truth. And I know that I suggested that there's going to be a lot of wrecks this short flat track and it's chaotic and it's crazy. And that was my main takeaway. But then I dug into the numbers and rewatched the race. And the reality is it's just not so. I mean, look at the data on the screen in front of you. We go 15 laps at a short flat track in an exhibition to start the race without a caution. That's a pretty decent run, folks. I don't know what you're expecting, but from the way that the track is configured and that it's an exhibition, a 15-lap run's not a wreck fest for a short track with very little room. And even I would suggest that second run's not that terrible either. Yeah, you can see section C. Now you can see I added these columns. I'll explain those in a little bit. We'll get into the specific runs. We actually we'll probably save that for another cost for another podcast. But what it's simply doing is showing that Mark Truck Jr. started the run in second. He finished the run in third. He lost one spot. And what I am looking at and analyzing is who is gaining spots, who is losing spots. Uh, We'll talk more about that in another podcast, but you can just see how someone does throughout a run 
without necessarily having to look at every single lap by lap by lap over that specific run, which I would suggest you look at all the laps and all the positions gained, but it's a simple way of analyzing specific runs. And for the most part, we have four runs. I mean, look at this. Does this look like a wreck fest to you? Run D, I guess we'll call it, or section D of the race, is laps 43 through 73. 30 green flag laps. Stop, pause, think about that for a second. You're going to hear the narrative. It's a wreck fest. I'm not going to enter any contest. You're just going to lose money. It's chaos. Does a 30 lap green flag run in the LA Clash exhibition race? This is an exhibition race. Sound like a wreck fest to you? Does it sound out of control to you? Probably would say, no, that seems like a regular short track race. And maybe it's predictable. Maybe it's going to be pretty steady. What most people are going to point to is laps 73 through 86. The beginning of stage two, drivers turn it into let's get it on mode. Uh, well, I mean, actually, 73 is still in the beginning of stage one or the first half of the race. But as we get near the end, obviously, they kick it in the gear and you get a caution. And then we start out stage two after the Wiz Khalifa concert or whatever it was. And we get a bunch of cautions to be in. And that's what people are going to point to. And that's what people mainly remember. And I don't fault anyone for thinking that this race was and will be a wreck fest because of these one, two, three, four, five cautions. And then it's not just five cautions. Remember, they don't run laps under caution, so it takes forever. And this portion of the race last year lasted a very long time because of the constant restart wrecks. And that has created a lasting image. That has, for the most part, created the uh, perspective or the framing that this race is a wreck fest. That's what you think of when you remember the 2023 clash. It's hard to shake that away. It's hard to separate that idea, and that is at the forefront of every Daily Fantasy NASCAR player, and that is the narrative that you're going to hear, or at least you have so far. Now, that might change as people dig into the numbers, maybe possibly listen to this podcast. People might say, yeah, actually, you know, it's not really a wreck fest. And even if you do believe, dude, there's, a, there's five cautions in the course of 10 laps, sure, but those cautions are spins. And for the most part, they're pretty benign. They're harmless. They're innocuous. Some, yeah, get knocked out, but it's not irrecoverable. Drivers can spin and still have the opportunity to regain ground and get back into the race. Kyle Busch is an example in this race of a guy who lost some spots during these spins and was able to recover. You can see that right there. He dropped from 5th to 25th on laps 85 through 86. Where does Kyle Busch finish this race? He finishes the race in third. Does that sound like a wreck fest? Does that sound like, oh, tear your lineups up kind of event? Even Denny Hamlin, who loses a bunch, still recovers some spots. I'm not saying this thing's going to be a green flag lap turner. What I am saying is that the LA Clash is not an absolute wreck fest. Because then let's go back and let's start looking at the next run. Oh, wow. Once they get the cars rolling again, they run another 20 laps. That's 20 laps at this short flat track. That's an impressive run, and they did it. 
Yeah, we'll get another caution. But then we get another decent run here. Another, what, 36 laps. Does that sound like a wreck fest to you? Does that sound unpredictable to you? Does it seem like, oh, this is just a goofy event? It seems like a pretty straightforward, straightforward short flat track race like any other. Does it or does it not? Am I? Maybe I'm wrong. And then you finish out with, you know, not the longest run, but a halfway decent little short run here at the end of the race. There's enough laps that good cars are going to make their way forward and good cars are going to be able to hold position and you're going to be able to predict the drivers that should be able to succeed and you should be able to predict through practice and through previous events and maybe at correlated tracks who could fail. It just it doesn't seem any at all clear or at all certain to me that this is a wreck fest. If we want to be as nuanced as possible and careful as possible, we probably don't want to look at it through a binary lens. We don't want to say black or white. We don't want to say great race or wreck fest. And I am by no means going to tell you it's going to be a great, perfect race. I will be much more nuanced, but I also don't believe it behooves anyone or is in anyone's interest, especially those putting money in Daily Fantasy NASCAR on this event, to categorize it, to, to stake their flag into the ground saying it is a wreck fest. Again, in previous podcasts, my initial thought was, yeah, there's a wreck fest. It's bumper banging. It's spinning. But I think I make a pretty good point. And I think I make a pretty good case that that understanding of this event from last year and moving forward is heavily influenced by 10 laps. And those 10 laps, because of the way the television event is structured, is just misleading. Let's step back. If you want to think about the LA Clash from last year and you want to try to take that data, and try to predict what will happen this year? Are you going to use 10 laps to uh, give yourself a state of reference? Or are you going to look at the other 140 laps? 10 laps versus 140 laps. 10 laps versus 150 laps. You look at all the laps. Why are we only looking at 10 laps to then make predictions for the 2024 NASCAR Clash? It doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. Is there bumping? Yeah, it's a short track. I mean, what do you want? That's, I mean, go watch some late models. Go watch short tracks all across the country. Sure, there are times where you're getting clean passes, but there are plenty of grassroots racing that involves bumpers and moving and bumping. That's just the way that it is. But that doesn't mean that it's all dirty racing all the time at South Boston Speedway. It doesn't mean that that's what they're always doing. And well, I was going to say Salem. Salem's more of a high-speed track, so you're not really going to have that. But uh, New Smyrna or uh, was it Grand National in North Carolina or The Rock. Well, Rock's not really a short track. It kind of is. Or in Florence, South Carolina. I just want to get this out there. I know the L.A. Lie is a very clickbaity title, but I think we need to dial that down. Even if you don't come away convinced, 
And that is okay. And I'm not really trying to convince you. I'm just trying to put this idea out there and let everyone else kick it around. Maybe someone else can develop this a little bit further. But I want to insert into the conversation. I want to enter into the chat. I want to enter in the evidence for the records that it doesn't seem like this race is as much of a wreck fest as we are going to be led to believe. That there is going to be some predictability and that drivers that run well in practice drivers that run well in their heat race have a better chance of performing than the ones that do not although the ones that do not still can benefit from a handful of wrecks but martin tricks jr austin dylan kyle bush alex bowman kyle larson tyler they're not nobodies they're like well ryan priest ryan priest had an incredible car and had an incredible race and he earned every bit of that ryan priest didn't finish seventh because of Recklemania. He didn't finish up there because this was carnage. He finished there because he knew his way around this track, possibly because it was similar to maybe some of the short track modified racing that he has done in the past. I'm not completely certain what it is. We know that SHR in the past has put together some pretty strong short track cars so that could be it either way there seems to be a reason behind it other than oh well it's just a wreck fest doesn't seem to be the case folks and you look at the guys at the bottom looks like the guys you kind of some of the guys you expect to be at the bottom like gregson didn't run well you didn't think gregson would run well suarez didn't run well you didn't really expect suarez to run well seems fine to me hello we'll see just something to look into as we close the podcast today Please go to racefortheprize.com. That's where you'll find the information about all the different things that you get in the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet. Support me and my family, and I will support you and try to make this Fantasy NASCAR journey eventful and fun and entertaining with shows hopefully lined up and live before lock shows and working with other people maybe and to get these spreadsheets out to you and data out to you so that you can make better lineups and have a more enjoyable time and not just have to tail. Thanks for joining me, guys. Triple X fantastic.